0: It's October 1st, Story Geeks, and with Halloween rapidly approaching, the Story Geeks podcast is getting scary. (laughs) Well, we're going to overanalyze some scary movies. You know how we do. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay Shear on today's podcast. Caleb Monroe, a screenwriter and comic book writer who manages the communities at Reality LA, and Samri Alemzagad, a Jordan Peele horror movie enthusiast, joins Sandra Demas and me to dig deeper into Jordan Peele's Us. This is the first episode in our horror series. Coming during the rest of October, we've got shows on Brightburn, It, chapters 1 and 2, and a nerd fight over the best Stephen King story. Sandra Demas will be your Story Geeks guide during Horror Month, and Megan Salinas will be joining her for every show except this one. Don't miss out on any of our spooky October episodes. Subscribe for free on your preferred podcast provider. And if you're like me and you're not into horror, subscribe anyway because we have coming up next a seven week series on Star Wars leading up to episode nine, the conclusion of the Skywalker saga. For more information on the story geeks podcast and additional shows, please visit the and stay tuned until the end of this podcast for a huge announcement from the story geeks. Uh, spoiler alert. We're starting a brand new channel dedicated to Disney plus. All right. All right. More on that later. Thanks for listening in. The story geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society Let's dig deeper into Jordan Peel's Us. All right, sorry geeks, we're about to dive into us. Caleb and Samri, welcome to the show.
1: Thank Thanks you. for having
0: us.: I would love to hear a little bit more about you guys. Tell me a little bit about yourselves. What are you up to? What, are your, what projects have you done recently?
2: <laughs> oh, uh, I will start. <laughs> I think uh, I, I write comic books, uh, I write movies. Um, Some of the comics I've worked on that people are probably familiar with, uh, Batman, Peanuts, Ice Age, things like that. Mm. And then a whole lot of things no one's ever heard of. Maybe listeners of this podcast, but even so, I don't (laughs) know. It might be a stretch. Um, And uh, I wrote a small indie Mongolian action film. Yeah. which was made last year, <laughs> my first awesome. produced screenplay. <laughs> and um, and then I also work full-time at a church in Los Angeles overseeing uh, artists and vocation communities. Awesome. Very cool.
3: Yeah, very exciting. I am not a comic book writer, but I do read comic books. And nice. I think I've read a couple of your, your works. Um, let's see. I... The first the first horror movie I ever watched was Get Out, and that was nice. about nine months after it came out, in the comfort of a home with <laughs> a safe person, and sometimes watching through my fingers. But I knew it was one of those. Uh, I don't really like spoilers. I don't like trailers, but this one I needed to know what happened. I needed to prepare myself emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Um, but when it, Us came out, the moment they announced that Jordan Peele was making the movie, I was like, sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> And I saw the trailer Christmas Day uh, after we opened presents. I went to go watch it at the movie. <laughs> I went to go watch Beale Street at the movie theater. And oh. the preview for us was, uh, just came out. Oh, yeah. And I was like, again, watching through my fingers. But I was so excited. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to be here to talk about it.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. Um, now, I will tell you guys, I wasn't supposed to host this show. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be on the horror series <laughs> at all. Uh, but Daryl, unfortunately, is very sick. Daryl has two kids, and so when you have kids, (laughs) you get sick. So he's the one that prepared all these amazing questions for us that I'm going to walk us through. But just to give a shout-out to Daryl, he prepared the questions, not me. So these are are fantastic. (laughs) Um, And we're just going to go ahead and dive right into those. Right. Uh, obviously, we have Sandra with us as well. You. I didn't Hi. announce you as, no as early as I should have. <laughs> <end. laughs> yeah, so we're, we're kicking off. This is the first episode of our new horror movie series on the Story Geeks podcast. And one of the things that we're asking is as we dig deeper into these films, because we really care why. Why do we feel these ways, right? Why is a story scary? So what do you think, I'll start with you, Samri, actually. Yes. What do you think makes this story scary at its core?
3: Hmm. Uh, so I was pondering this question yesterday because it it is scary. It's visually scary. It's very suspenseful. Uh, there's moments when you're like, "Where are they coming from? What are they gonna do?" And having not read the spoiler for this uh, and watching it opening weekend, I did I did not know what to expect. And so, I think unlike Get Out, this I didn't know if there was like a um, like a racial element to it. And so going into it, I was like. I don't don't know what to expect, but I think what makes it scary at its core is you don't know who these people are and you don't know why they're doing what they're doing. I think going into watching it the second time, I knew. So it made it a different experience, but just not knowing, like, who are these people? What is Jordan Peele trying to say? What Mm commentary is he trying to make? Um, But I think the suspense, the mass murder, that was happening like Mm. that. I think that's scary that these people can come (laughs) and be like, we no longer want to live in your shadows. Mm. So we're going to destroy you and we're going to create this chain and be seen by the rest of the world. I think that's what's scary for me. Mm. Good answer. Uh,
2: I think there's something primal in humans about our feeling like our identity is dissolving Uh. and Mm. Mm if you look through cultures you know uh, you have doppelgangers in germany you have changelings in like the folklore of the british isles every culture has the story of a double mm. and it's you know we kind of joke about it now about oh he's got an evil twin it's like the soap opera version but this <laughs> idea of a twisted version of yourself mm. um is is something that in the middle of the night i think we are all afraid we are it mm. you know there's a, that you know, the old urban legend uh, that ends with the calls coming from inside the house. Yeah, uh, that's what it feels like. The calls coming from inside the house, and the house is me. You know, and that's that's mm-hmm. very unnerving. That's really good. Yeah, wow, yeah. totally. What do you think, yeah. Sandra?
4: I mean, that's such an important point right there, and it, it makes me think of you know the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror
1: <laughs> <laughs> with Bart as all things and, do. <laughs> right, right. You know, you can
4: point to the Simpsons for everything, but that whole idea of well, with with the Simpsons, it was Bart and the evil twin was Hugo, but it was actually flipped, and mm. Bart was the evil twin the whole time. And and you're right. I mean, I think in looking at the film and anticipating it, I wasn't sure, like you were, Samri, will there be a racial element? What what is the theme mm-hmm. that he's going to be diving into? Mm-hmm. And I really couldn't find just one there are so many different paths which yeah. i think mm. the teaser poster is is indicating that because it's a rorschach you know yeah and so it's telling us we, we're going to see multiple things mm. yeah and and that one aspect of that that person the twisted version of ourself i think that is such a powerful thread to follow that's one way to go there's and there are multiple ways to go but that one was the one that i was really picking up on when i rewatched it and um, how we have devolved as a society and how we are acting, just a, just humans as a whole, how we are acting toward each other. It's so vile and um, it might not be, well, this is me and how I'm acting, but as a society and calling ourselves fellow humans that that we're all devolving and degrading to such nasty versions of ourselves.
0: Yeah. yeah. And everybody knows when they listen to this podcast, uh, you know, if we're co- if we're talking about a movie, we're spoiling that movie. Um, <laughs> Oops. Yeah. And I'm right about to right about this minute. Um, I think the only thing I would add, because I think all of that was super artfully said across the table. Um, the only thing is that, that I would add to that is also the the fear that our our past uh, mm-hmm. imperfections or our past mm-hmm. iniquities would, would be revealed. Yeah. Um, and that's becoming more and more of a thing in good ways, in really good ways um, because we can add accountability in things, um, but also in some really negative ways as well. So it's like, we just, we just literally heard this past week of somebody that got hired for SNL, but then passed yeah. Yeah. really racist comments came Mm -hmm. out and it was like, okay, we're not hiring this person for SNL anymore. And I think, um, so so it comes with this, it comes with this, this fear and this, that, that our past would be revealed to others. The, the darkest parts of our past would be revealed to others. And it's actually, it's a double-sided thing because for those people who don't fear that, that's like you probably should at this point (laughs) Like, (laughs) like maybe maybe be concerned about that uh so i think that's the only thing i would add that's all really really awesome stuff in typical jordan peele fashion this is a very dense and layered story in fact you guys have already mentioned that it's a dense and layered story so no matter your race gender or even your degree of horror fandom you're bound to connect to it on a personal level in some way Um, So as much as you're comfortable sharing, how does this story connect with you personally? I'll start with you this time, Caleb.
2: How does it connect with me personally? Um, I think as a writer, the first connection I make with any work is on the level of craft, Mm. where I just admire the craft being displayed. Even if the story hasn't even begun, but those first shots, uh, I'll talk about, I'm sure I'll talk about it more, but that long shot of the rabbits oh, at the yeah, very beginning of, yeah, yeah. uh, I see that and I'm just, I, I'm like, no one would do this. <laughs> <laughs> no one would do this, but it's so right. Right. And so that's always the, that was the first connect I make when mm. something is, is, uh, is, I uh, just an appreciation of the mm. craft. But further, I think I've been trying to figure it out mm. and I, don't have a great answer, mm. and I think that's kind of the point. I think that Peel makes movies that are very sub-rosa. They're subconscious, mm. and they are intended to draw you out of yourself, mm. and so I think, I think that's just a very personal way of making films. So it's this weird thing. He's created something that's between a fairy tale, Yeah. And a transcendental film. Like in the way people talk about that as like Bresson or uh, Ozu or these various directors making these slow, you know, like a 10 minute shot, zooming (laughs) in on something. (laughs) And. But there's there's there are reasons to do that. Now, Mm. the whole audience Peel is this great place where he can like he brings that in that long shot of the rabbits. No, like if you did that in Mission Impossible, your audience would leave, you <laughs> <Right>. know, <laughs> but <laughs> Tom what, Cruise running. That's what we need. We need yeah. more Tom yeah. Cruise. But what happens in these moments is uh, I think Paul Schrader calls this like basically you want people to be bored. Because then they start to think, well, what is happening? Mm. And then they start to lean in. Yeah. And then because we don't like a vacuum, our minds start to try to find a pattern. Yeah. And there's not a pattern. It's just a long <laughs> shot. But you know right. what I mean? <laughs> right. But in this way, Transcendental Films, which is why they're called that, they create this experience of kind of... T- feel, you feel like you're touching out something outside of yourself because yeah. of this way you have to lean in. And so that I think he's doing that on one hand. And so mm. I, I just connect... My subconscious just feels... Well fed, mm, even yeah. if my conscious mind doesn't always understand all every choice, right? You know, yeah. right. And then the other, on the other hand, I think it's just a, it's a fairy tale, which I'm starting to play with the idea that horror is all just a subset of fairy tale. Huh. um, I mean, if you read Grimm, they're all horror stories. Yes, yeah. <laughs> totally, and, yeah, they are. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so, and the thing about fairy tales, and and I think this is where the two connect is well, why does the bird talk in Mm. the juniper tree? Because the bird talks. Right, right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) why does the mermaid want to walk on land? Because the mermaid wants to walk on land. Right. Like, because the circumstance is less important than the emotional experience. Yeah. And so, yes, all that to say that I don't have, like, a super clean conscious reason for why I connect to it as a story Mm. other than, I guess... I guess that thing I said about my subconscious feels well-fed. It just feels yeah. like something significant has happened.
0: Yes, mm-hmm.
2: yes, yes, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Y- it's all, uh, Another way of saying that might be like, you know you're watching art. Yeah. You're not sure mm-hmm. how you're going to respond to the art yet, but you know as you're watching, you're like, I'm watching art. I just know that that's true. Yeah. What about you, Sandra?
4: You know, I, I've seen it twice now. The first time I saw it, I kept processing it. and And I remember like I was in the shower and I'm washing my hair and I'm like, talking out loud to my husband. I'm like, you know, I I wonder if he's just (laughs) listening to me. But the first way that I responded to it was thinking of, of access and how Mm -hmm. Adelaide's character, um, well, Addie, the one who is at the beginning of the film, Mm -hmm. she's the one who ends up staying below and Mm -hmm. it's red Mm -hmm. who takes her place. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: And in changing places, red now has access to things she didn't Mm. and she's able to thrive versus the people underground. They Mm. don't have the same access and so they don't thrive. So that was the first way that I responded to Mm. it. And just thinking of like what's going on in our country and people not having access to um, certain rights Mm -hmm. even and um, just basic human needs. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking of that. Um, And then as I rewatched it recently, I was thinking of uh, the dark side of humanity and what happens when we regress to such a state that we are terrifying, even looking at ourselves like this reflection is terrifying. Um, And that can be in moments of just severe mental anguish or it could be how we behave online, multiple different ways. Um, that we can respond to uh, or that we can see reflections of that. And then I started thinking about all of the names mm. and the, the, the one above ground and then the tethered mm. and the contrast. So like um, the daughter... Her name is, oh, I have it here. Zora. Zora. Zora Zora is Dawn and Umbre is Shadow or Darkness. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, so one contrast is um, the light in the dark. The other contrast is like um, Adelaide, who is nobility, and Red, who is wild. Mm. Um, Jason, the sun, is healer compared to the tethered Pluto, who's god of the underworld. Mm. Um, So then you have like these two things that are, that are contrasted and they're battling. And then Gabriel and Abraham, those are, um, Abrahamic mm-hmm. religions, you know? Right, right, right. Um, but we have like either man of God or Gabriel, the archangel, and then Abraham, who, um, the name means many or multitude, but also he was asked to kill his son. He mm. didn't follow through mm-hmm. in it, but just, thinking of like the contrast like what does that mean Mm. so last night i was just of course like high on a latte so (laughs) i had like all this energy and my wheels are spinning so again it's like those different threads that you can follow and what you were talking about like this transcendental film it's absolutely like which thing do i follow this time around so i can watch that thing probably over and over again Mm. and get different stories
1: Mm.
0: that's good samry what do you think
3: Wow. Uh, listening to you guys and going last is kind of helpful because I think it, I connected to it in th- like three different ways. Um, something that you mentioned earlier was this having to deal with your past mm. and the consequences of your past. And that's scary. Like if you're not, if you're not dealing with them, they're going to keep haunting mm. you and you kind of have to confront them. You have right. to be honest and transparent about them. And even your response when you are confronted with it is, um, is really important. And so, that was like, that was one of the things I, uh, there's nothing in my past that I have to like deal with, but <laughs> it was like, Oh, just as a humanity, like the, what are the sins that we have to deal mm-hmm. with? Um, and then, the first and most important thing for me was like seeing a nuclear black family as the protagonists of the film, um, and having the film just center, yeah, center around their lives and just portray them as you know they own a home, they own a boat. It may not be like the best boat, but they <laughs> they own things and they have access to these to these things. And so the portrayal of um, that family was really was really powerful and meant a lot. And I I don't think I would have seen the film or been as excited to see it had it not had Lupita and with Sinhu as the main the main actors in it, and then um the third thing was kind of like what you talked about, Sandra, the having access, like who are we forgetting? Um, right. who are we people we've kind of abandoned because they serve us no purpose, and you know, kind of like you know it, there's gonna be there's gonna be rebellion, there's going to be like because because Adelaide experienced life above ground, she knows what freedom is. So she's able to bring that to uh, when she's enslaved, she's able Mm -hmm. to like fight for that and, um, kill for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, who are we, who are we forgetting? And who are we like leaving underground?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Ryan Johnson said something on a podcast recently that I was listening to that was awesome. Uh, he was interviewed by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And they worked on both Brick, which I just watched the other day, which is really fascinating. If you haven't seen Brick, you should go watch Brick.
2: Still my favorite Ryan Johnson film. Oh, that's a good question. Is it my favorite?
0: Oh, man. I'm going to talk to you about that afterwards. (laughs) I'm not sure. I think I might go with Looper, but I need to see Looper again. Anyways. Mm -hmm. um, And again. And again. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Keep watching it like any (laughs) Ryan Johnson film. Um, And one of the things that they were talking about, they were talking about creativity and how creativity works. And uh, one of the things I found really fascinating was that Ryan Johnson said he didn't feel like a story would be honest for him if the issue that the story dealt with didn't make him angry.
1: Yeah.
0: And that also he didn't see himself in the problem. Mm. So if you if a, if something makes you angry but you don't see yourself in it it's hard to be honest because yeah. then you just start you start to make a propaganda film. Yeah, but yeah. if you see yourself in it you go oh man. Yeah. This is a challenge now. I have to challenge I, I convicted myself in my own anger. Mm. And I think that that's really true of Jordan Peele. The way that he the way that he constructs a story to be emotionally impactful mm-hmm. to so many different kinds of people that are watching it. Um, and so many different experiences that they might have is brilliant.
1: Yep.
0: Um, I, I, I can't get over how amazing he is at that. For me personally, I would go back to the aspect of the story, how it connects to me personally. It's It's really interesting to watch the main character Unfortunately, I did predict what was gonna. Hmm. I did predict the ending early on, Mm -hmm. which was not true of me with Get Out. So Mm -hmm. Get Out to me was more like I was just stunned and I was like, "This is like (laughs) one of the best movies I've ever seen." This is just this one was a little bit since I predicted it. I was like, "Oh, okay, I see where I kind of see where it's going a little bit more," Um, which probably made it a little less rich the way that Get Out was rich. Mm -hmm. But I will say that the way that I connected to it was not only in the recognition of past sins that you're like, I got to hide this because if this comes out, I have an entire family, entire community, all these people that knew me in my past community. If they knew what I did to betray all of them, Mm -hmm. this is a bad deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can, we, we can think about and reflect about those things happening in our lives. Like, Oh man, I didn't mean to do that. I made a mistake, but I, I felt like at the, at the same time I had to do something about this and stand up for myself. And so that, that feeling of internal conviction is pretty powerful. And then, and then thinking further on that, to think of what that made Adelaide turn into, mm-hmm. and then the reflection of how horrific she became. Like, she became a complete monster, and she turned mm-hmm. everyone else around her into, those are the people we need to go and mm-hmm. kill. Yeah. Right, and that's that's like wow. So the, so so it's not only it's not only us as the monster, mm-hmm. but it's the monsters we create,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and 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 the responsibility. They have some responsibility in that, but we're people who are constantly hurting one another. <laughs> and how do we
2: get over that?
0: Yeah,
1: and it's yeah. and
2: it's not predetermined which of you is the twisted version, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly right, exactly, you know? exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah. exactly right. That there are other factors at play. In fact, going back to Sammy's point about who have we overlooked? I think you don't get this film from someone who doesn't live in Los Angeles mm. Mm. because LA has the largest homeless population yes. oh, yeah. in the country. The recent, most recent number is 37,000 and I drive past probably a hundred forgotten people a day. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And whether that's a conscious engagement on his part or not, right. I'm, I'm not sure you get this mm-hmm. without that, Environment, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really good.
0: That's really good. Um, this conversation is amazing already. Uh, so I'm gonna uh jump ahead a little bit here. The film ends with this uh sweeping shots of the tethered. Um, and if you haven't seen the film, the tethered are the people who are were underground who were held against their will underground, kind of like. Would you call them clones? They're kind of clones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this sweeping shots of the tethered, forming this human chain as inspired by the hands across America uh, commercial and sh- and t-shirt that the that um, the little girl was wearing. So what do you think is the significance of this? Why is this the end game for the tethered? And how does it leave you feeling as the story closes, Sandra? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
4: well, the hands across America was, Throughout the film, because it would, it was even in um, some something similar. There were characters holding hands mm. in the son's room. Yes,
1: yeah,
0: right. And, like, mm. and I
4: didn't notice that the first time. And I'm like, oh look, look. Um,
0: or when they show up in the driveway, they're holding hands too. Well, yes, they're holding yeah. hands there.
4: <laughs> and then at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it makes me think of okay, well, hands across America. Well, let's think about that. That was to fight against like famine and homelessness yeah. and hunger. And so again, I'm thinking access, I'm thinking, um, you know, if people had access, mm. uh, the same access, would we be equal mm. and would we treat each other equally? Mm. So I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking of like this, um, it, are we facing how we treat people? Like you said, driving past homeless people, are we now looking at how we treat them and, and it's not about race Mm -hmm. because that's what I was thinking initially, that this would be a commentary on race and it could still be, who knows, but, um, thinking about how, how we treat marginalized people, um, how we are are even responsible, not just in how we treat them, but creating that situation so that they are continuing to be underground and continuing to be controlled by us. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I was just grappling with that last night and, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what he was trying to do. I, I think he was, I think he was intentionally trying to give us so much to, um, just marinate with. Yeah. And, totally. and I think that is absolutely what he was trying to do with hands across America is to point to like, what was the purpose of that? Mm. And, um, and, but who knows? I mean, maybe that wasn't what he was trying to do, but <laughs> that's what it seemed like I to me. I it hit you. Yeah. Yeah. we yeah, sure. were, we're looking at, um, the homeless problem and yeah. we're looking at um food and poverty and yeah. our part in that
0: totally yeah. sammy what do you think
3: yeah i agree i think the correlation between hands up across america and kind of that last view of the tethered um it stuck out to me when I was re-watching it. Not <clears throat> even the second time, but the third time. I was really paying attention to what that Hands Across America message was that Adelaide was watching. Yeah. And a lot of it was saying that like we're good Samaritans and we're going to be seen across America and to the rest of the world mm-hmm. of us fighting hunger, fighting homelessness. Mm -hmm. And even if you like do the little history of like what hands across America was, you see that more money is spent on like advertisements and trying to put this on, than money coming in to help Uh, the cause. Right. And so even like the harm and the damage that like the, that's Heather did to be seen, Mm -hmm. um, like kind of correlating with that, like actual history of hands across America. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like you, uh, Jay, you mentioned it on how, Adelaide was uh, became this monster mm. and I think that also speaks to access like right her not uh, having access to the proper um therapy or the proper like um, tr- kind of trauma therapy that because she, yeah. she experienced trauma right. you know right. and whereas red did get that therapy yeah. and Adelaide kind of did as a like conduit, or just like a, you know, as someone who's imitating red, but yeah, there there wasn't access for red, and so kind of like yeah. the the harm that can come from people not getting the care that they need Yeah. after absolutely. trauma. So
2: That's good,
0: Caleb. What do you think? I,
2: I think all of that is at play, but it took me a while knowing that this podcast was coming up to ar- <laughs> to articulate what. I guess what my experience is at the end here. Okay. And I hope this is coherent. <laughs> um, and I'm going to start w- in what seems like... By the way, non- that's the best way of starting a sentence on the <laughs> <Yes>. podcast <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I hope this is coherent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we know it's interesting right. no matter what. I'm going to start with something <laughs> that probably seems like a non sequitur, but it makes perfect sense to me, and that is the book of Jonah. Okay. Uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, book of Jonah, minor prophet, very, very short story. Yeah. Um, but I also think... In my home opinion, maybe the best written book in the Bible, craft wise, mm. okay. doesn't really come across in in English. Uh, because Hebrew is a ancient Hebrew is a cloud of meanings language. Uh, so each word and each syllable has three, four, five, six meanings. Uh, mm. And the point is it has three, four, five, six meanings. <laughs> right, right. So in English we try to clarify and have separate we have different words to these things that are very close to each other. Right. But a word in ancient Hebrew might be talking about size, yeah, and color, right, and a spiritual experience, and a, one of the, per, you know, and like an aspect of God, and it, all these things can be said in in a syllable, mm. and I think that's maybe why Psalms is the probably the most read book of poetry in mm. human history because mm. part of it is just it had the advantage of being written in a language that can bear that, ah, uh, yeah, and so, but my favorite piece of craft in the book of Jonah is it ends on a question. Uh, God asks Jonah a question and then the end. <laughs>
1: hmm.
2: And so we as, an, as a reader, you can't actually try to do this, but if someone asks you a question, you can't make yourself not start formulating an answer. Right. You know, you, immediately when you hear a question, you start to try to answer it. Hmm. And so this book ends on a question and immediately you're that much more engaged and you're trying to answer this question. Mm. So I think some of that dynamic is at play. Mm. Um, and then I also think that there's a, I don't know. I don't think this is conscious, Yeah. but I think that there is a, there's a story being told about religion in America mm. Mm. because it, this is a Christ story. Mm someone descends from a whole world into a broken world in order to bring those in the broken world up to the whole world,
1: mm.
2: right? That is, like, at its essence, that's mm-hmm. a Christ story. However, this is a Christ story full of horror and blood and mass murder. Mm. Mm. And so I think there's, there's, a, there's this image of Hands Across America was one of the last hopeful things that Adelaide ever saw. Mm. Mm. And she, she had this longing... She mm. was longing for something better. And, but the only way she knew to get this better thing was to kill millions of people. Right. And I think there's something being said about the way uh, <laughs> religion has been tied to empire, uh, uh, yes. particularly yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Right. That we have this longing for, we envision this nice peace in the future. Right. Mm. But we only know how to kill to try to get to it, mm. which of course means we never do. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. That's, that's what happens in my brain when I think about the ending. Yeah, totally. So
4: that was coherent. That was, Uh, That was definitely coherent.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Every time he says, "Uh, this might not be coherent yet, we're going to be like, yeah,
0: right, dude, just listen to what I just said. No one has a clue. Um, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I think that's all. I I think all of what you guys said is uh, pretty awesome. The only thing I would add to it is I only saw this movie like three hours ago or whatever it was,
2: and fresh,
0: take. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's and that's hard because, like you said, and like you and Sandra, you've said this too. Your, your brain is still trying to wrap itself around all of the things that you mm-hmm. were hit with, yeah, and you're sitting there going, like, Okay, the brain's desire is to make sense of things,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a stimuli has been given to it, <laughs> and and yet it's going. So, the, like the fact that Joe bends on a question, this is what the story geeks love. Like mm-hmm. we love this. Now as an open ended. A hand has been has been uh, extended to you, not a hammer to tell you like this is what propaganda I'm giving you today. No, yeah. you're, you're, a hand has been extended to you to say, do you want to do you want to explore this with us? Um, so I, I can't say that I have formed any sort of like <laughs> great opinion around this. But as I listen to all of you guys talk, I think that the, one of the reasons why it's such a powerful symbol is because it is coming after a symbol of hope to repeat back to someone what the symbol of hope was supposed to be. After you've done these terrible things, mm-hmm. <laughs> it communicates how much of a failure mm-hmm. that campaign was. So mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you look back at that at that time frame and you say, and I'm not, I know I'm not saying anything new here. I know you guys have said this in probably more articulate ways. But if you look back at that time frame and you say, this is what we're going for. Mm-hmm. And then you fast forward to this and you go, didn't get there. right? And then these people are saying, by the way, we just want you to know you didn't get there. And we're going to give you the symbol back. Mm. Mm. to prove to you as a reflection, right? She she see, she even sees her own reflection, and this is what causes all of this conflict. We want to reflect back to you what you said you were going to do for us that was never done for us, and yeah. you left us marginalized. Yeah. And that's pretty powerful. I think the only other thing I'd add to it, too, and this could be added anywhere, um, but because it because it draws me to that conclusion, how many times in history have we seen that nobody pays attention... Until it's violent. Yep. And that is one of the biggest bummers. As you look at any sort of I mean, I don't know how else to phrase it. That's yeah. a really dumb way of saying it. But I don't know I don't know what it takes for us to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so many times we don't do the right thing until we see that it is just becomes sort of this violent thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, why do we have to have the extremists show us The truth. Mm -hmm. Why cannot we explore the truth and get to the truth Mm -hmm. without having to go to that level? It's really a shame in human history that that's the case.
4: Well, yeah, but apathy is so easy and um, you see even with Red and her family that they are, well, at least the husband, Gabe, keeps trying to get the boat and oh, he got that car and he did that on purpose kind of a thing and it's just keeping up with the Joneses and that's where the energy is spent versus paying attention to people being hurt and being left behind. And absolutely there were biblical themes everywhere. I mean Jeremiah eleven eleven mm-hmm. and eleven eleven kept showing up all throughout the film. That's right, yeah. And to think I'm like, okay, so here's like judgment and where um we've been whoever, whether it's you know well, I mean, the film is called Us, but it could be US. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, you know, looking at is it the US that we have been um, just not following God mm. um, or and, and and that's not in a agreeing with the particular political party that would say oh yeah absolutely um, not I'm not doing that I'm just saying like how we treat others mm. right. um, if they are truly reflections of God's image and then, uh, then and we're treating them so poorly
1: yeah.
4: are we not to be punished at some point like is that what mm. he's saying that mm. that that now all this destruction that's happening, um, God will not hear those cries because mm. of what we've been doing.
2: Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I looked yeah. that verse up this morning yeah. so I could. Um, yeah, I looked it up right when I saw it on screen. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what is that? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I always turned my phone off so I couldn't do it in the film. And I was mm. like, I was like, mental note, look it up. And I forgot; I never did. <laughs> so here, watching it a second time, I looked it up while watching it. And to me, what really stood out were those last few words they will cry out and Mm -hmm. I will not hear. Mm -hmm. And that, again, goes back to this theme of those who are forgotten, those who are not listened to, those who have no voice. They will Mm -hmm. cry out and I will not hear. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, I think, to be honest, I think the final beat is satire.
1: Mm.
2: You know, which is not a art form that's well understood. Yeah. But a sophisticated comedian-like Jordan Peele can <laughs> right. p- can pull that off. Absolutely. Satire is so hard. Yeah. It is so hard. Um, but it's a satire which yeah. um, a guy named Dominic Crossan has this five-fold typology of story mm. that uh, I I was just reading yesterday. So yeah. I'm not like I'm not like pulling from some deep yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know well of knowledge <laughs> right, right, right. it just happened to be what I read and Basically, he says there's five types of stories. There's myth, which creates world. There's apologue, which defends world. Mm -hmm. There's action, which explores world. There's satire, which attacks world. And there's parable, which subverts world. Mm -hmm. And so myth and parable are, he says, are counterpoints, that Mm -hmm. myth creates worlds and parables subvert them. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then um, satire and apologue are counterpoints in that one is trying to defend some sort of truth. Yeah and the other is attacking it. Ah, and, and so when I think, and, and so literally, attacks world. That's yeah. how he phrases yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and we literally are looking at a, not literally, we are actually looking at a world that has been attacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, satire. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I, it's interesting you say that because uh, have any of you watched Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix?
4: I keep meaning to watch it yeah. and I keep, Putting it on the IT crowd instead.
0: It's <laughs> yes. Yes. Oops. That's funny. That's really funny. These toys
2: may smell of weed. In the
0: morning. <laughs> Have you guys seen it at all? No. I'm okay. Not. Um. It got. It's got. It's been getting a lot of attention because he says some super controversial things, and I'm like, Have you never listened to Dave Chappelle in the past? Because he's always said super. <laughs> he controversial He just says things. some
2: things. He just says Dave yeah. Chappelle things.
0: Well, and and I think it is. I think that Dave Chappelle's comedy is one of the best examples of satire that you can possibly find. Because if you, if you don't really think about what he's saying in it, from a multi-layered approach, you will not understand. What he's doing is he's using humor to convict you of things about ways of behaving you may be behaving, mm-hmm. ways of thinking you may be thinking, and there's, it's always multi-sided to the point where you would have to go, wow, what he said was, like, so people will say, oh, I'm really offended, right? Well, yeah, you were supposed to be. <laughs> like that's he in, in order to get you to the point where you saw it as satire, mm-hmm. otherwise you wouldn't see it as satire, and you'd just be laughing at a story, which is how right. a lot of comedians are. Yeah. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to convict you of something. And this is exactly what Jordan Peele is doing here. Mm-hmm. He's going like, remember we had those campaigns? Where did those get us? Yeah. So mm-hmm. let me showcase that to you. And I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I cannot answer this next question because I have not seen the film twice, um, <laughs> but we know that there is a, a big reveal here that Adelaide and Red um, have switched places uh, and lived out one another's lives, basically from childhood on. Um, and if you've seen the film twice, you would know that that happened and you could watch it in a kind of slightly different way. Mm-hmm. so. What I'm going to do then is just ask you guys, how did your emotional journey with the characters change having watched it twice? Start with you, Samri.
3: Yeah. Um, I think the first time I watched it, I felt sorry for Adelaide before mm-hmm. I knew she was red. Because that is, is a very traumatic... I'm I'm a scaredy cat, so... First of all, she journeyed to that place. And then the moment the owl popped out, I've been, I would have been like, bye, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Yeah. But I was so, I was so like, I had so much empathy for her. Mm. I was like, man, I can't imagine like what you saw, what you experienced, mm-hmm. you know, how did you get out? Like who came and rescued you and yeah. what was your like young adulthood like? And when she was, um scared of going to the beach. I was like, Gabe, get it together. She doesn't yeah. want to go, like don't go. Yeah. And so I was, I was really, yeah, I was really feeling for her. And then watching it the second time, I was I was kind of like, well, you kind of got yourself into the situation, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then the third time is when, it ac- when I was actually like, I have empathy for both of them, because yeah. Red wanted to escape. She saw a way out, mm-hmm. and so she chose this life. Mm-hmm. Um, Adelaide was forced into a life and so yeah just even thinking through like yeah what did they like what did they experience afterwards you know what was yeah their adolescence like those like very formative years um, like for them and so I have deep empathy for both of them Mm -hmm. and I don't I don't think you're supposed to go out and be like Red is bad or Adelaide is bad but Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I was just like, I don't think either of them are bad. I don't, I, I personally wouldn't know what to do in either of those situations, so I can't say. I yeah. just, I don't think it's yeah. like very clear cut, so yeah.
0: That's good. Kayla. what do you think?
2: I, yes, for me it's a, it's an empathy thing. Mm-hmm. I have love for the tethered when they show up in the driveway, mm. which is not how I experienced it the first time around,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, particularly for Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and strangely enough, I was reflecting today that that actually undermines the horrorness of it. Mm. Mm. It makes it feel like it changes genres. Yeah. Um, my, my philosophy of horror, uh, one of the foundations, is a scene in From Dust Till Dawn by Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. And there's a scene where George Clooney, which by the way, I think it's his best performance of his life oh, From, wow. from wow. Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> I yeah. love that performance so much, but he's talking to Harvey Keitel and Harvey Keitel is a preacher who has lost his faith because his wife died a horrible death of cancer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he just doesn't, he can't reconcile that with the reality of God. And George Clooney is not that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's a bank robber and a spree killer and all these other things. And, but then they end, they end up in the same place and there's vampires and they're now suddenly they're all on the same side. Mm. And uh, George Clooney has this speech where he's like, look, as far as I was concerned my whole life, God could kiss my ass. Right. He's like, but those things out there are straight from hell. Mm. And if there's a hell, Jacob, then there's gotta be a heaven. There's gotta be. And mm-hmm. so then he, mm-hmm. you know so he's like so are you going to be a preacher who lost his faith or are you going to be a mean mother Servant of God, which yeah, is—I yeah. don't actually—are we allowed to curse? On <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just are. cursed twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are. It's I can hard always to quote it, it out if I have it's to. It's hard to ta- to quote a Tarantino film without getting into that. When <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we're doing
0: a horror, we just got off a Disney series. <laughs> yeah, And, we're doing a horror series, very different and we
2: thing. actually cussed in the Disney series. <laughs> I know we did. I kind of—I told myself I
0: wasn't going to do that. And yeah. I still did it. Yeah. And
2: and Scott Derrickson said something once, and and to be honest, I may be misremembering what he said, but yeah. here's the truth I took away from it. Yeah. And, the truth is that people go to a horror film expecting they go to a drama expecting there to be choices Mm. some choices are maybe good some are maybe bad but it's just humans making choices yeah and they go to a horror film expecting good and evil Mm. and that's just diff- that's a different frame of mind. Yeah, that's true. So for me, watching it the second time, it's no longer a horror film for me because it's choices. It's uh, p- different people making different choices and I understand all their choices. Yeah. You you know it's not the it's not the ununderstandable uh, relentlessness of something that's just evil. Yeah. Which is kind of how it feels the first time you experience the Tethered. You're, it's just dark and twisted and evil. Mm. But now I have empathy for them. And so I'm I'm not sure what kind of film it becomes for me, but yeah. it kind of walks away from horror. Yeah. Mm.
1: yeah.
4: It's interesting that you're you're saying that it's not that it's not good and evil. That's kind of the take that I had with Bird Box, where did you see it?
2: I have not seen oh. it. Oh <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, stuff. I'm gonna I'll but... cover my <laughs> I'll cover my ears during the aftercast.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, it just the idea that we want our enemies to be pure evil Mm. Mm -hmm. and there's no other way around it. Like I'm good, you're evil. Mm -hmm. And when we start to accept that that's not generally the case, that's pretty scary sometimes. And that's pretty devastating um, because we, we don't want to see that in ourselves. Um, And I think that's kind of what the film does. Mm -hmm. It leaves you in this place of there's not a clear monster here. And, are we okay with that? You know? Um, But I wasn't scared or not scared. Um, I wasn't, uh, I I wasn't surprised by the Mm. twist. I was with you as soon as after that scene was over, I'm like, they switched. They're like, well, that's so I watched it the first time with that in mind and everything that she did, I'm like, because she's red
0: because (laughs) she's red. (laughs) Right, right, right.
4: And it, it wasn't a matter of, of empathy. Um, not that I didn't have it, but I just already saw it from that perspective. So rewatching it, what I did was focus on some of the other characters, mm. and that was that was pretty cool. Um, I think I have a lot to say about Jason yes. and Pluto, yes. like
0: ah, so much. But I don't
4: know if we want to save that for the aftercast. So
0: yeah, we we we'll be having plenty of content on this. So if you guys want to follow us to the aftercast, <laughs> definitely do that. We will have more things to share. Um, So I haven't seen it twice, Mm -hmm. but I do think it's interesting to reflect on what it would have been like, because even now, as I'm hearing you guys talk, I'm going like, yeah, the fear she was experiencing of going back to the beach wasn't, I don't want to go back to the beach because I don't want to experience the PTSD I had. It was, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back to the beach because I don't want it to be discovered that I swapped. Yes, (laughs) Right. So it's a completely different kind of fear. The other thing that um, occurs to me, and this is not necessarily an answer to this question, but just in general, as we talk about horror movies, most films are are, are, are all stories. Any any story that doesn't have conflict, I'm always like, why? What, what's going on? Stories have to have conflict. Conflict in horror films, to me, is we have people who are seeking comfort, and they, that comfort is taken away from them. An action mm-hmm. film goes, I need to rise above this to mm-hmm. become comfortable again. A horror film says like, "No, you comfort's been taken away, and now it's just what well, you're left with the fear. So what are you going to do with the fear?" Yeah. And um, I just think that this exploration of fear is really fascinating, especially if you turn it around a second time. So I'll have to I'll have to go back and watch it a second time. I will say the second time I watched Get Out, Jordan Peele's first film, um, I liked it even more. I yeah. mean that's... Just, I think you could probably watch Get Out, I don't know, 10 times and still take new things away from it because it's yeah. just so amazing.
4: Yeah. I, I'm almost kind of mad at Jordan Peele for not starting earlier because <laughs> the yeah. yeah. film is so freaking amazing. Yeah. That, and, of course, you know, he wouldn't maybe have pr- um, been able to produce the same yep. level and depth of story. But, right. yep.
2: but My yeah. favorite detail, my friend Alish pointed this out. We saw it in the theater together when Get Out came out, is that at the very end, after you know the truth, she has, she does not put the milk in her cereal. She has separated this. Oh yeah. Yes. The colored cereal from the white. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's what (laughs) my son said too.
4: He's like, she's segregating. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And that film was, I think I I can't put my finger on another film that has captured what Mm -hmm. it's like to be a person of color Mm -hmm. and, and you recognize the microaggression yeah. and you're just like, all right, like uh, I see you, but yeah. like, what am I going to do? Cause yeah. then I'm going to sound like super petty yeah. and like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. And it's like, but it is, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and so seeing the main character and just the, uh, like a subtle look, a subtle reaction that he would give tells you and tell, well, tells the audience, especially those who know,
1: yeah.
4: I know what, I know what you're responding to mm. and, right and yeah like that yeah. it was it was such a powerful thing to see that on the sc- on the screen and go finally like this it's real and of course we know it's real but it's like it, it's on the screen now so it's like other people yeah. can see yeah. it reflecting back on them like yeah. this is do you see the reaction do you see how how he was treated and how you you viewed him especially within christian circles mm-hmm. we shouldn't be about race right mm-hmm. And then it's like okay but then like you first yeah. <laughs> um yeah. And that doesn't happen. Yeah. So to see him in that space where that's... It. All he is is a black man. Right. That's it. Yeah. And... Um, I mean, now we're talking about a different film. But <laughs> but it was just such a powerful um, film for people who feel like they're not represented. Not, not only just to have main characters who mm. have your your same skin tone, but the stories that you live every day, that isn't represented, even in that mm. small way. Of course, mm. no one's like taking my body, you know, but
2: mm.
4: are they treating me in, in s- different, in very subtle, but and un- uncomfortable ways?
2: Mm. I thought that he also did a very good job of illustrating this strange... I think lust is the best word,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: but this macro lust by these micro aggressors um, to actually be the person that they yeah. are mm. persecuting. Mm-hmm. Right. They that, and you know and there's and he's there's obviously something bigger being said there uh, about mm-hmm. uh, ownership, and but then also just when you think of culture, it's like hip hop, rock and roll, jazz, all came out of essentially. Depending how far back you go, right, right, right. Uh, African American culture, or <laughs> or um, segregated culture, or slavery. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, for e- each of those forms, comes out of one of those, and 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 they always take over our culture. Yeah, they dominate. You know, and they become this huge thing. Oh, look what I
4: invented.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and so I think he did
2: such a good job of just illustrating this really perverse, like we want to own, but we also want to have the thing you have. We don't understand it. We don't know what it is. That thing.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: I think that there Jordan Peele is unique in modern day filmmaking because his diversity of experience is such that, I think it's true of us, and I think it's true of Get Out. Mm. He can speak across the widest possible spectrum of people to where I know people who would not have gotten the microaggression elements of that film, but still would have taken away the main points of what he was mm-hmm. trying to communicate yeah. Yeah. so he can hit he can hit the audiences with these with these different experiences because he he knows the width and breadth of his audience and mm-hmm. can put in sprinkle in different things that all of those people so you see i think i think you see it here with us as well mm-hmm. right you see these things where he'll do these things that where he will he will use stereotypes mm-hmm to further the story, Mm -hmm. and he'll completely break stereotypes to further the story. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it keeps us very involved, going like, whoa, this is, I haven't seen this quite before. Like I thought I knew where he was going with this, but then he, whoa, he subverted what I was, my expectations. And um, that's really amazing. Because it draws, it just draws you in. It's just so compelling. And Mm -hmm. because of, like, Caleb talked about the artistry of it, now it's like, I get it on so many different levels and I don't get it on so many different levels yeah. and I'm going yeah. to probably watch it again you yeah. know what I mean yeah. <laughs> and,
2: and that's the that's the power of comedy. Mm. Yeah. That's I think you have to have a comedian to get that. Mm. I was I was talking to a I say this as a non-comedy writing writer. <laughs> yeah. And I I was talking recently to a comedy writer mm. and I told him that comedy writers can write drama, but drama writers can't write comedy. Uh-huh. It doesn't tend to go the other way. Right. Um, but comedy is all about subverting expect. You don't laugh unless something gets said that you weren't expecting. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if it goes too far, it stops being funny. Right. Yeah. You're just. It just becomes non sequiturs or some sort of screed. So comedy really requires living in this balance of expectation and subversion. And you have to let... Three out of four expectations pay off so that the subversion works. Yeah. Mm.
3: yeah. Mm. And I think, too, uh, what you were saying, Jay, the the fact that the white family, Kitty and her husband and kids, like lived in this like fortified home, <laughs> right. but were so quick to die. Like, oh, there was, yeah. it was, you know, and versus like m- most uh, black ac- uh, characters in horror films are the first ones yep. to die. Right. And so to see how. You know the what is their family name? Do they have a family name?
0: <laughs> I don't
3: know. Yeah, uh, li- I, I know, know the. the I know that Which Elizabeth
4: family? Moss is Kitty.
3: Yeah, but like, what is uh, Gabe and Adelaide's family name? Wilson. Oh, Wilson. Wilson yeah. Okay. Um, the Wilsons. They don't have the backup generator, so they're more alert, That's and right. they're mm-hmm. like, "What's going on? What's happening? Be cautious of your surroundings." Um, and obviously their storyline is very different as to like why they didn't die, yeah. but. Yeah, I think it's so interesting how he kind of like turns it around and he's like, totally. Oh yeah, the family that is supposed to survive because they have access to XYZ yep. is actually mm-hmm. gone. In right. second, totally. so.
4: And I don't know if you noticed at the beach, I'm pretty sure the, the husband had a shirt. His shirt said fragile. Hmm. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and I and I <laughs> was like, Oh, is this like white fragility? Yeah. <laughs> like, where are we going with this?
0: Yeah. Um Well, he th- also subverts expectations in that i think that there there tends to be this doesn't this is not necessarily a race thing although i guess it could have racial implications but he'll take uh, he's taking a socioeconomic thing and saying yeah. you think that they have it better than you because yeah. they have all the things yeah right but he shows you yeah. the family doesn't get along, yeah. the husband doesn't like the wife, she's yeah. constantly having to get plastic surgery because she doesn't like how she looks. Mm-hmm. And so it's this kind of this, this breaking of the, oh, okay, well, that's what we're aiming toward. And he's like, yeah. no, you're not, you don't need to aim towards that. Yeah. That's no good right. either, yeah. right? Like that yeah. conclusion is not a good conclusion to come yeah. to. Yeah. So it's just fascinating how these things yeah. working
3: in It's also interesting because Gabe is like trying to get the things that his friend has, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> right? He's still very proud of his identity as a black man. He's still very mm-hmm. proud. Like he wears that Howard shirt. Yeah. Um. He talks in the way that he does and right. has the relationship in the way that's so like unique to him and that experience. And so it's interesting that he's trying to achieve this like materialistic things, mm-hmm, but right. is so grounded in his family unit. Totally.
0: Yeah. In fact, I think that there's an element to him where one of the reasons why his character is so likable mm-hmm. is that he kind of knows that he doesn't have the Range Rover or yeah. the yacht, Yeah. right? Um, <laughs> but he still is having so much fun with yes. what he does have. Yes. He's content in it, you mm-hmm. know. But even though he might want more, and while while I want to get a boat too, yeah. he's not he's not constantly thinking like. Oh, yeah, God, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, Like he's he's super satisfied with yeah. what he's able to to get, that, and I think that the, that's just so joyous to see on film. We're like, yes. oh, that's yes. awesome, man! Exactly. Like, I want to hang. I I have no desire to hang out with a white dude on this yeah. like, boat, right? Like <laughs> no. you don't want to hang out with that dude. Yeah. Um, but I'd hang out with Gabe Dad's, in a second. On his
3: crawdaddy, <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. And
4: Zora, the daughter, was hilarious when she tethered come into the house, yeah. and now they're facing each other on the couch. Yeah. And she tells her dad, nobody wants the boat dad. Yeah. And I'm like,
2: what? <laughs> <laughs> like so You're being like, yeah. your home's
4: invaded and you're burning your dad? Like, yeah. that's awesome.
3: So, it's so great, yeah. Was so a really teenager. Yeah. So a yeah. teenager. <laughs> she, was,
4: she was fascinating too, sure. just in the second watch. Oh, yeah.
3: I can
0: imagine.
4: Because she's the only one who gets pursued in a more um, kind of consistent way. Mm. And some of the most like uh, tense moments in the film are from her perspective yeah. when she's looking under the car oh. and and I'm like mm, yeah. you
1: know yeah. <laughs> like
4: it's yeah. covering my eyes no and then and then she sees her standing above her on the car mm-hmm. oh her tethered was terrifying she's so terrifying yeah oh my God. she goodness. was she was scarier, yeah. I think, than Real the others. Terrifying. You know what we haven't and talked I think, about?
2: I mean, because what would a teenage tether do? Yes, be? exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know? They're already yeah. a nightmare.
4: It, you know yeah. what? It's just her, but like at yeah. six in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what we haven't talked about though is that they didn't have language, mm. yeah. so the tethered didn't have an ability to communicate, and I thought that was interesting. That, that you interesting. you have I'm people who who have language they're able to communicate, and then these others who can't. Yeah. And um, just, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was like, all right, well, what, what does that mean, too? Yeah. Cause what are right. you doing, Jordan? But do right. you think,
3: I don't know if, like, they might not have language, but I think mm-hmm. they're still, they're so good about communicating to one right. another in, like, other ways, right, like, sounds and, like, clicks, and mm-hmm. that was and, really interesting you know, to me. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, 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 like, yeah. visually. Yeah. And so how we can create... Uh, create a language mm-hmm. in a way that like w- we can understand even if it's not the most commonly accepted way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I yeah. I think they have language. I think they don't have a voice. Yeah. Mm. They don't have because they don't have language that those in power understand. Uh, you know? Or, 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 <laughs> oh, or, or compre- <laughs> yeah. they don't comprehend Caleb just dropped said. his mic. I don't right. know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. It's on the mic stand.
2: He still dropped Ooh. it. I don't understand how he did that.
0: That's, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Do you guys want to talk about the tunnels? Yes.
3: Yes. Sure. Yes.
0: Uh, So now back to the beginning of the film. The film opens with a fact about tunnels, and it it says there are thousands of miles of tunnels beneath the United States, abandoned subway systems, unused service routes, and deserted mine shafts. Many have no known purpose at all. So we see in the end that those tunnels house the tethered, but I'm curious about the larger symbolic choice to start this way, why do you think the concept of tunnels is so significant, Caleb? Uh,
2: I mean, going back to what I was talking about subconscious, I, just this idea that there is underground.
1: Mm-hmm. There is
2: stuff beneath the surface, and we don't think about it. Mm. And uh, I've heard, someone can fact check me. One of your listeners can fact check <laughs> this and then write in and see if I'm, I'm totally making this up. But my understanding is that the largest um, unmapped Area where humans live mm. is all the tunnels under New York. Oh, interesting. Mm. That have just built up over s- a couple centuries of just the way that city sort of came together. Right. And there's abandoned subway tunnels and there's abandoned service tunnels and there's like water, like viaducts, and, and all these things are beneath. And th- there's actually a large human population that lives in there. And that was the first thing I thought of when that, when that card came up. Yeah. Mm. uh, Because I had read that before. Right. And I don't even know if it's true, but immediately it made me think of discarded people. Yeah.
1: Mm.
2: And how, and unremembered people Mm. in the literal sense that when we remember something, we make it again, a member of our body. Yeah. Yeah. We remember it Mm. so that when we don't remember that these things exist, that these people exist, um, We have no connection to them at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Sandra, what do you think about tunnels?
4: It made me think of the Underground Railroad Mm. and Mm. its use of taking people from slavery to freedom. Mm. So when we think of the, the people underground and them wanting to get their freedom even like pulling from goonies like it's our time now yeah and it's like our time up here mm. so they're they're wanting they're recognizing that they haven't had their time mm. they haven't had their place in the sun so to speak and and they want that now they mm. want to have that freedom they want to be remembered and um and that's what it's about you know that's that's what their goal is right you know
3: Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I feel like the whole thing is like maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Sammy, what do you think?
3: Um, I When I got this question, I underlined like abandoned, unused service, and deserted. Mm. And I, I feel like that's what the tethered were. Mm. They were abandoned because they were no longer useful, and they were deserted mm. down there. Uh, but also, I I was listening to... Another podcast, and they're talking about uh, how after the Civil War, when um, four million African Americans were freed, they they had to figure out a wh- like a place to live, and a yeah. lot of them would go to like these abandoned like mil- military barracks, and how oftentimes like you, you kind of like clump people into these spaces and leads a lot of diseases and sickness and death and how that kind of was like happening down there. they were mm. left to eat just like rabbit, like mm-hmm. raw rabbit. And did, I don't even know if they, did they have access to water like, right. or healthcare? What did they do when people died? Like I have all these questions, but I, th- I think of that. And I, th- I thought of a lot of that, uh, that correlation and how oftentimes we, not only um we abandon things that kind of no longer fit um a purpose or didn't turn out the way we expected them but we also abandon people who don't mm. uh, fit into this um idea of who we wanted them to be so
0: yeah it's really good i have no thoughts on tunnels <laughs> yeah, at all <laughs> but i do from a writer's standpoint as you start to think about world building th- I do think it's pretty uh, interesting that he chooses not to answer a lot of questions. And I think it's probably pretty smart that he doesn't answer a lot of questions because you're you're sitting there thinking like, do they create a tethered for everybody who's born? Hmm. Because if you think about it, like obviously uh, Adelaide um, gets stuck down there, Mm -hmm. ends up marrying Gabe, the tethered Gabe, then has... Apparently, kids with te- with a tethered gabe. Yeah. Why did those kids? Why do those kids? Now, from a, from a philosophical standpoint, we understand that those are uh, the reflections of how how our own identity can become skewed and how that can damage us so badly. Um, so we see on the one hand, it's a fun magic trick. On the other hand, you're a burn victim, yeah. right? Like mm. so, so those kind of things you can kind of see how those might morph us, the, and then because of the way the burn victim is treated he becomes animalistic as opposed mm-hmm. to the other the other kid who's a really healthy cool kid like you you know so so you so you have these two but then you go well in this world building like how does that how yeah. does it work how how far do these tunnels go like yeah. I, like they they were starting to stretch for quite a ways yeah. with their hands across America deal yeah. are we talking about there's other people in other states that would you know, show up in the same way. It's across America. Yeah, Jay. It's across, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I
2: know. I know. I have a, I have a theory about that. Oh, let's hear your theory. Uh, I think the I think the tethered were always there. I mm. think they were discovered, not made. Mm-hmm. And but much like many people in power, they convinced themselves that they had made this thing that really they found. Ah, uh, mm, interesting.
3: interesting. So
0: almost like there's a, it's almost like uh, I'm wearing a stranger things shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so if I was to compare it to the upside down that's almost a kind of a similar thing it's a reflection of our world but it's the opposite reflection of what we might not want to yeah. see as a yeah. you know so um i don't know yeah.
4: well red says that is it red who says it that they were created and they were they're soulless mm-hmm. that they don't have a soul but that they were Created to control the people above, yeah. but it didn't work that way,
0: right? And their souls and, were tethered,
2: right? Yeah. 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 How did she bodies, find that out,
3: though? Exactly. I'm so yeah. right, right, right. But, Or is that something if, she But if created? you listen to
2: that, that's th- that's a creation myth. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of th- they're telling, like, who would have told her that? Yeah. If that story was true, no one would have told it to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did she
0: unreliable narrator possibly yeah. yes so there's there's, <laughs> Holy there's
2: Spirit maybe. You know, <laughs> but you know maybe this is the the narrative as they understand it because we all yeah. live by a narrative yeah totally. Right? and that affects our story yeah. and so that is her story and it's probably true to her, but is it true because yeah. how would she know those things those things require knowledge that she wouldn't have if she was right if the story was true yeah. mm-hmm. and right? this is this is I think, exactly
0: why it's good that he doesn't go there yes. right? like, it's, yes. it's immaterial to the actual takeaways that we're supposed to get yeah. if he gave it to us we might suspend our disbelief and go like i don't think that would ever yeah be okay. you know what I mean? like, yeah. so it's almost better that he just goes like no oh, we're just gonna move on yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah. this is better as a metaphor than it is something is it, it is an actual world building device yeah. many a film has crashed upon the rocks of over explanation <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> <That's for> sure.
0: <laughs> that is for sure Um, All right. So much of the film's intrigue and symbolism is found in the idea of the tethered, which we just kind of started to talk about. We learn a lot about them, but not everything, leaving us with plenty of mystery. What stands out to you about them? Which tethered characters are your favorite? So we started to to describe, Mm. we don't have a lot of world building around them, but we have enough to kind of say, okay, they're mysterious but what about them is important to the story and which tethered characters are your favorite? Who am I supposed, I'm going to think I'm starting with Samri on this one.
3: Hmm. Um, I think what stands out to me about them is, yeah, they don't, they don't speak English. And so it kind of even goes back to like, yeah, what is, what is the, what is the actual narrative? Not the one that red is believing or Adelaide's believing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just like, I'm curious. I'm curious to know how they survived. I think I love to think on the practical level of like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. they're still human bodies. So they still need water. Like, where do they get water from? Did they but, have diapers yeah, yeah, for yeah, the babies? Yeah. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I think they just like the curiosity. And I, the one specific type of character that stands out to me, is the guy on the beach with the eleven eleven carved on his yeah. forehead.
1: Uh, yeah. And he's
3: kind of just like, has this like grinning look on his face. And he's the only one that we like really see up close after he's committed the, the act of like killing his tethered and then joining hands. Yeah. And so it's, that was like, that was really interesting. And Kitty's tethered is really interesting yeah. to me. Dahlia. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, I, I I was like, okay, but if you, if they're not, if they only have one soul, How does she still have this, like, hate for, you know, her tethered husband? How is she still, like, oh, like, very vain and into her beauty? Like, Mm. a a lot of that I was curious about. Mm. Um, But I think my favorite, my favorite tethered character, I said red initially, but now that I think about it, I think it might be Kitty. Kitty's tethered. Mm. It was very brief, but her, like, she came to, like, Kill Adelaide, and she's like, "Nah, like I'm gonna go carve this thing in my face." Yeah, that that was really interesting to mm. me.
2: Yeah, I actually second that. She's probably my favorite tethered, and I think a, I think a lot of here's there's so many good actors in this film, but yes. I think a lot of it just falls on Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, that what she did mm-hmm. with what what she did with that character mm-hmm. is was just really fascinating. But then also um, the find the, remember the name uh, Umbre no. Oh yeah. right, right. Umbre, I think uh, there's something.
0: Yeah.
2: Out of she feels like the most honest of all the tethered. Yeah. Um, and you know, t- t- to be fair, Zora is probably the most honest of mm-hmm. all. Uh, all the yeah. what are we the untethered? What do yeah. we call yeah. them? <laughs> right, what right. do we call those who are above ground? Because <laughs> technically, aren't they all tethered if they're tethered to each other? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't yeah. everyone on the surface also be the yeah. tethered? Yeah. Um, and I, I, that honesty appeals to me mm. yeah. that, you know, I, yeah. Mm. So I think that's my favorite. As far as what they symbolize or mean, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I've talked a lot about that, but I, I think actually what's powerful about them is the mystery. Yeah. The, the stories that last tend not to answer the crucial questions. Mm. Um, we were joking earlier and some people love it, some people hate it, but lost. (laughs) Right. 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 You know? (laughs) Yeah. But beyond that, think of, I think of Halloween, 1979, Michael Myers. They never explain why he is the way he is and why he does the things he does. And there's another one coming out in the spring. Yeah. And this, this something about the story lasts and it doesn't need that question to be answered. Mm. And so I think that's actually part of the power of Mm. us is that the tethered are a mystery. Yeah. Sandra, what do you think?
4: Well, going to just over-explaining and how that isn't 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 a good way of, of having your story last. I think of, and I'm still bitter, but like Dexter, they just kind of gave everything some sort of resolution. Mm. Um, and I hated that <laughs> um, to this day. But... Um, but yeah, I agree that the, the mystery around the, the tethered is what um, makes them fascinating and makes, makes you want to keep going back and try to unpack what they're up to. I liked Kitty again, like yeah. we're all saying Kitty. Elizabeth Moss is fantastic. Everything that she's in, she's just so able to act like she's losing her mind. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a believable and... Like gut wrenching way you watch it and you're like, are you okay? Like yeah. <laughs> but are really and Juliet Lewis was good at that as well. Um. And so it's good to see, um, actors perform in such mm. a way that, you believe it. I mm. mean, she is in some immense pain or super twisted, whatever. She's able to deliver that, and so I liked. Both of her characters, yeah. I liked her husband's tethered yeah. when he like goes to reach and he's like yeah. sight, yeah. and I'm like <laughs> <Right>. what? <Yeah. laughs> he's
0: such a loser. You expected yeah, like yeah. that dude would do that. Yeah. Yeah. He
4: was hilarious, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm still I have so much to say about Jason uh, and Pluto. I, yes. and so I, I, whenever you're ready, <laughs> you're
0: <can>, gonna <laughs> you unload, right? But yeah.
4: but I think that their relationship is the most compelling for me, yes. especially yes. on the second watch. The mm-hmm. first one I was like, that's red. That's red. That's red. And, and then the second one, I'm like, okay, I already know for sure now that it's red, but what is happening over here? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
4: they're, they're the most interesting, but I had, I loved the moments from Kitty and Dahlia yeah. and, um, Kitty's husband, his yeah. tethered.
0: It's interesting that, um, since they're sharing a soul, since the tethered are sharing a soul, It's interesting when someone who is in control, so to speak, in more control of the soul, treats themselves how the tethered responds. Mm. Um, That's a fascinating kind of thing, because I think most, to your point, and you probably would say this about Jason, right? Jason and Mm -hmm. and Pluto. He's the only one that learns we're the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he goes... I can control him. Yeah. Yeah. If I back up, he'll back up. Nobody else gets to that point. Nobody else realizes like, we're actually kind of one in the same. Mm. Everybody else is, everybody else is figuring out how they can kill the bad part of themselves. And he kind of goes, we're one in the same. So if I have to kill him, I know how to do it. It's to, it's to act it out or whatever. I think that's pretty fascinating concept. And I would Mm -hmm. love to explore that more and get to the point where, you know, if Jordan Peele was in the room, we'd be like, dude, yeah. How does that happen? Yeah. Like, wh- what were you thinking when you did that? You know, it'd be really fascinating to see. As far as the favorites, I, I won't even mention any of the favorites. I'm going to just say this Lupita's performance. Yes. Amazing.
3: Oscar worthy. She,
0: yeah. Oscar worthy. Yeah. She has no prosthetics. No. She has no, she does all of her own voice modulation. Mm-hmm. And you're just going, that's insane because yeah. she's <laughs> this amazing beautiful woman mm-hmm. and now she's insane and you're yeah. like mm-hmm. it just happens in a snap yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. no prosthetics no nothing no, no anything else uh, that's phenomenal yes so whether she's tethered or not tethered Lupita just is an amazing 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 job yeah um I so would
2: love it if if, if she won an Oscar for that <laughs> me
3: too oh. imagine me too I feel like, like she could have genre? won an Oscar the Oscars, for so many the, Oscars have, yeah. <laughs> the Oscars
2: have been flirting with genre films they, yeah yeah I feel yeah. like if anyone can bring that home, it's
3: yeah. Peele. Yeah.
2: yeah, you know, what I, I mean, I if anyone can get the genre film into the Oscar window, yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like Jordan Peele can do it.
3: And yeah. Danielle Arleya was nominated mm. for Get Out, so I feel like she definitely will be nominated for this role. And I hope that she gets she gets it. She's yeah. got my vote. Yes. yes yeah. which, which means nothing yeah. to yeah. anyone. Even <laughs> even at the
0: very even at the very end, the way she changes her smile.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is that's an art form in and of itself? She yeah. says nothing, yeah. But you know, because you, you saw so her much? as a, and when she's a little girl. And, and by the way, I oh. don't know who that actress is, but that actress is amazing mm-hmm. too. Um, because the way that the two of them treat their smile, yeah, and just adapt it ever so slightly, yeah. And I'm and I don't know how much of that uh, again. If we had Jordan Peele and Lupita in the room, we'd be like, dude, how did you guys? Do? Yeah, yeah.
1: Did you? Did,
0: did, did, how many notes did you get on that scene? Because <laughs> it feels like she just. It feels like she is the embodiment of those characters to the point where she knows I do this and I'm that character. I do this and I'm this character. Yeah. And she can just swap between the two really easily. Yeah.
2: But that was insane. Um, yeah. Actually, I wonder what the filming schedule was like. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. they did they film one side of a scene and then film the other side mm. while they're in that location, or did did they did they give them several days as themselves and then several days as their twisted yeah. versions so right. that they could spend so time in it? It would be I would be very fascinated to see to hear what that yeah. process was like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all
0: right. So let's get into, uh, Oh, this is awesome. Cause this is again, Daryl's question. And <laughs> we love these kind of questions because we can try and come up with these all the time. We had, we had a probably about a, 25-minute discussion about the line from Empire Strikes Back where he says, then I'll see you in hell. And we go, what does that mean? Is there a hell in Empire Strikes Back? We had, we had a long, so this is the kind of question that we love throwing out there. Uh, I all, uh, so he, he says, I always like to have at least one question that's just way out there. So here it comes. Uh, this one is a bit dark. The Tethered all have a skewed version of their counterpart's uh, personality. So we just kind of talked a lot about that. But he asks, <laughs> "How would a tethered version of you act, Caleb? How would a tethered version of you
2: act?" Um, hmm. If I, when I try to imagine a tethered version of myself, I think it would still be a storyteller. Mm. But what does that look like in in the in the lingual world that <laughs> right. that, that person lives in? I don't know. I think it would be there'd be a very embodied aspect to that and it would be less cerebral than mm. I am in real life. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> in c- you know, in case you guys don't get it, I think a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm yeah. not, I'm not like an athlete. I, you know, I, I get paid to sit and think. Yeah. And so I think there would be, I think there would be a, a, on the, sort of on a positive sense, cause I think all the tethered also kind of showed, showed that there was a lack, in each of the people. So on yeah. a positive things, I think I think the lack that would be exposed in me is the embodiedness ah. versus the cerebralness. Mm. Um, but then I, as far as the twisted version, if I think about that, I think it would be... I think he would have become successful as a storyteller much younger than I did. Mm. And I think that would have twisted him.
0: Interesting.
2: Because wow. uh, I, you know, I've always as you when you're young and you're trying to become this thing and you're trying to break into this field you're picturing what it will look like yeah you know and i just you know as i'm now 40 and i'm very content with where i am and it it, it where i am now would have felt like failure to 19 year old me yeah. right which just wanted the moon and the stars and <laughs> right. and the entire universe to boot but if that version of me had gotten what it wanted yeah I would not be the person I want to be. Mm. Yeah. I would have, I would only have gotten something I wanted. I would not have become someone that I wanted to be. Yeah. Interesting. And so I think something about that. Yeah. Forty? Yeah. Can you believe he's forty? You guys, I know you guys can't yeah, see him. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm looking
0: up and like, <laughs> just, no. I'm like, yeah. sitting there going, forty. How is he forty? <laughs> Anyways, so Sandra.
4: You know, I I think what you're saying about not getting what you wanted the Wilson family didn't get what they wanted mm. at least for the dad. So I think that you're touching on something that is part of what Peel was probably trying to communicate. Again, it's so layered. I think, I mean, my initial response to that question, the tethered virgin, I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like I thought again of, um, the tree house of, tree house, tree house of horror and how it would be like, Oh, you know, I was red all along. <laughs> um, You know, jokingly, I thought of that. I thought of um, the spirit in the flesh and Mm. the idea of, you know, on my best days, I'm the one who lives above ground. Mm. And um, like last week, I was telling I was telling Jay, you know, just how crushed I was because. Someone was calling me out on on YouTube. You know, weird that YouTube commenters are mean. Nobody told me. Um, YouTube commenters are mean. (laughs) (laughs) But telling me that I can't be a Christian woman because I have pink hair, and um, and I was you know and using like you know Bible verse like bloop here it is this is proof, and the tethered me would have let him have it. The tethered me, which was like. You know, I, I knew that I couldn't do that because it's, of course, you know, like I'm representing an organization. But the tethered me would have um, really, you know, let out that flesh, let out that hurt and, um, you know, scolded him for his interpretation of a biblical verse that I think he was taking out of context yeah. and uh, try to school him. You know, that would be in a very simple way the the tethered version of me. Um, And, you know, all of my worst days of just feeling, you know, overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with um, despair sometimes that that would that would be me. You know, I wouldn't be bold. I wouldn't be comfortable in my own skin. Um, So that, yeah, that would be that would be the tethered me. And sometimes it feels like I'm battling (laughs) I'm battling her, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, last week, I felt like like I was battling her, and it's like, get underground
0: again, (laughs) you you (laughs) monster. (laughs) Get back. You need some more raw rabbits in your life. Yes. (laughs) Get out of here. Samri, what do you think?
3: So, I think that looking at the tethered versus real-life versions of the characters, I see, like, a heightened version of themselves. So, Kitty's Dahlia like going to the extreme of like cutting her face mm. or her husband. He might have done that like hair swoosh thing, yeah. but like that was like, <laughs> that was a very like exaggerated version of his personality. Um, Like Umbre runs fast and is very like, you know, it's like, I'm ready to do it. Whereas um, Zora is like, I don't want to run, you know? Mm. And yeah, I, I, I saw that and I was like, okay, so what would a heightened version of me be? And I think similar to yours, I would probably like clap back at my haters or people people who like, you know, call me out or they're haters. Yeah. 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 Um, clap back at people a lot quicker. Um, I would, I don't think I would be as nice. I feel like I would be, you know, very like, I know that the world is dark and like, you know, everything's evil. So I'm just going to say it like it is. Mm. And I, I see a lot of, I see a lot of, like, red in myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just that, that like, desire to, um, you know, just, like, maintain security and safety and mm-hmm. order. Uh, if any of you are, like, Enneagram people, like, I am categorized as type six, and so I, like, thrive on order and structure. And so I see a lot of, yeah, I see a lot of red, and but there's also a part of me that's, like, Adelaide, where... I've unjustly been, uh, enslaved to this, Mm. or I've been like, you know, yeah, uh, thrown into this life that I did not want and Mm. I cannot get out of. And so now I'm going to come back like fighting with a vengeance. And so I feel like that would be a little bit of my, like a little bit of a switch where I feel like I'm red now and (laughs) Adelaide is my tether.
4: It's a Hugo Bart situation
3: going
0: on. Yeah, it's, it's really weird that Daryl asked this question because I literally had this conversation with our other co-host, uh, Justin Weaver, last night. Because um, we were talking about, I, I, I told Justin, I said, uh, I was using it to illustrate a point, actually, about the, our interaction, um, which makes it sound way more intense than it was. Uh, but I go, if I were not a Christ follower meaning that I know that it, is, that it is important for me to give up self.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If I were not a Christ follower, I would be a mafioso, mm. and I would be trying to run the organized crime family. Mm. And I would say, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm going to win, and I'm going to get what I want. And if you've opposed me, you're going down.
4: Yeah. I see that. <laughs> I, I see that in nerd fights, for sure. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> Just listen to one of our nerd <laughs> fights. you see that yeah. happen. <laughs> but but it, it, it's not like I'm against other people. Mm-hmm. If you're on my side, you're on my side. But if you're not on my side, And that's that's something that it's like it's like one of those things where you're saying like you have to you have to be self-aware enough to know where you can go with things. Right. And then you have to say, oh, that's right. That's what my tethered person would do. Right. My tethered person. Yeah. My tethered person would come back up with scissors and start killing people. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to let that happen. That's not that's not a thing that I want in my life. And what does that mean? It means being a lot more humble. It means mm. being a lot more understanding of where other people are coming from. Um, and of course, we see these things in our lives where we where we know that we can't be perfect. I hope everyone listening knows that they can't be perfect. Yeah. I mean, if you if you still think you can be perfect, like let that go, man, because like <laughs> that is that is a that is a problem. Um, and hopefully, we see enough of that to go, oh yeah. So I can't make an excuse for that tethered person that shows up in my identity. Mm. I can't make an excuse for them. Mm-hmm. I have to deal with that. Right. Um, but that can be really challenging. So the fact that you know is really great. Yeah. Like if you know <laughs> this is where it could go. Yeah. Uh, and then I think that we're if we're being trying to be self aware, if we're trying to think of, through things, we're trying to be like really introspective, we can become self aware enough to know like, oh, and by the way, it only gets worse. Yeah. The more self aware you become, the yeah. more you realize how more much more imperfect you actually yeah. are.
4: Right. It's yeah. like tissue paper
3: thin. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally.
3: I even like the description that Caleb had of my tethered me would have gotten, you know, the career, the success a lot quicker than I did. And that would not, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have become the person I am now Mm -hmm. having had the experiences that I had or the struggles that I've had or, um, not as quick access or like not as quick jump to success. And I think that's very interesting too, because it's like, yeah, I, the, the struggles that we've had, the, um, the things that we faced have made us who we are. Mm. And if our tethered is like very quick to kind of like subvert that and be like, I'm going to be in control, I'm going to be in charge. Then you're kind of getting in the way of like you learning your lessons and you growing and maturing. Mm. And so, um, yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really a great point. Uh, just got one more question. And then we're going to jump into the aftercast after this. So you Yay, guys want to join us for Jason. that as well. Um, <laughs> in the end of the film, the entire Wilson family makes it out alive, making their doppelgangers the only ones who failed at their mission. Uh, technically, the other the other family dies too, though, right?
4: Oh, Kitty's family?
2: Yeah. Yeah, they technically. did. Technically. Yeah. Um, but why they, they did kill their family first. That's true. That's yeah. a good point. Yes. That's a good point. Uh, so
0: why do you think that is? And do you feel like that resolution? Um, do you like that resolution? I'm sorry. Or do you wish it had gone differently? I think it's your turn first, Sandra.
4: I do like, I do like the ending. I don't think their mission is done yet hmm. because they're hmm. with Red. Hmm. Yeah. And her smile at the end of the film was like, oh, we ain't, <laughs> we ain't done here. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so i I don't know if i think it's pre- premature to say that they um the tethered failed at their mission because the mission isn't complete yet uh, i don't i i don't think I, v- I viewed it that way
0: mm. hmm. okay Samry, what do you think
3: yeah, I don't think the mission's complete and I, I think that because red survived, she's still she's like the Wilson family isn't fully the Wilson family. There's, yeah. you know, there's the doppelganger is still there. Um, so I'm really curious to see like how that will affect. And I hope that there's a second story, but if Jordan Beale doesn't want to explain a lot, then it would make sense to kind of just leave it at that <laughs> yeah. and like right. not, not do a follow up. But, um, but I think, I think it provides hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like, you know, one, one family defeated this evil that came to kill us all. Mm-hmm. So there's hope, even if, um, you know the tethered are in control for a little bit there's still there's still this family that's out there that mm. is fought and like really like really fought not just their doppelgangers but other doppelgangers to survive. And so I think the first thing that the imagery that came to my mind even reading this question was, uh, what is that I had, Walking Dead. I've never seen the show, but oh, yeah, it's like yeah. there there's survivors, and so there's a story to still be told. Mm. There's a hope that like humanity can still like win over the, these zombies. Mm. Um, so I, th- I, th- I thought of that with this.
2: Yeah. What do you think, Caleb? I think first of all, I love it, mm. and I think it it might be one of the most subversive things in the film. Mm. Mm. Because we are used to there being one black person in a horror film, mm-hmm. and they're the first one to die. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's a whole bunch, mm-hmm. and they survive, mm-hmm. that on its own. But I think where it gets particularly subversive is that they are a healthy family. Yeah. Right. And seeing a healthy African-American family, I, I was trying to think, when is the last time I saw that? Mm. I just, just last week, I watched season three of MTV's series Scream. Mm-hmm. And it's it's set in a black neighborhood outside mm-hmm. Atlanta, and it's um, almost all black cast, and but anyone's family that you saw was a broken and messed up family, mm-hmm. uh, yes. and you know what I mean. And that's just sort of that's what you see. There's always an absent father. Yeah. There's there's some sort of gang violence. There's something going on. Yeah. You know. And but just to see like a healthy. Happy black family in the suburbs, yeah. even even still together after all of this. Yeah. I think is is one of the most subversive things that he did. Yeah, yeah. and um, so and for that reason, I yeah. love it. Mm. But I also think it's. Oh, go ahead.
3: No, I was just gonna say that I think. Because even hearing you say that, I'm like, yeah, this is Blackish. This is a family from Blackish mm-hmm. with just a couple less kids. Because that is Dre, and the show is very like very much like Gabe. He wants to get these things and you know like have the nice like mm-hmm. uh, you know the nice car, the nice house, the nice boat. But still, very much to the core is very black and very proud to be black, mm-hmm. and is also like Gabe, a Howard graduate. And so there's yeah, I think that Blackish is like one of the few. Few shows that um, kind of captures that same like nuclear family mm-hmm. that is portrayed in this film,
4: and I don't think that was really seen on a on a consistent basis since the Cosby Show. Yeah, maybe I'm missing something, but I like think Family
3: Matters. Family Matters yeah, was right. oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. probably uh, mm-hmm. sooner than
4: yeah, yeah more recent mm-hmm, more recent. Yeah. I just remember <laughs> <laughs> the Cosby Show and I'm yeah. so yeah. sad about it.
2: I um, but I also think it's a bit of a having an eating cake situation, mm.
1: Mm.
2: because the f- uh, they didn't make it out. It's, it's the quote-unquote bad version of Adelaide. Mm. like The family is, is tainted now. It's mm. poisoned wow. yeah. because it's, the, it's not the person they thought it was. It's this other thing yeah. with a little bit less of a soul. From underground, Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and like you know, your mom being a thing with a little bit less of a soul from underground. That's <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure that's going <laughs> to torpedo a lot of their family that dynamics. That doesn't to the teenagers <laughs> usually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Um, so it's it, they man it, like he he managed to give us that that amazing beat of this mm-hmm. family wholesome having survived it, but at the same time he's able to give us that. Quintessentially horror ending of it's tragic. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yep. you know, and that's again, that's just masterful craft. Totally. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think
0: there, there's, it's, it's really the fascinating thing about it as well. Um, I'm in agreement with all of what you guys have said. It's that she, there's an indication that Jason has become aware of her true identity it's interesting to me that she does not have to hide that identity from her family yeah. because they would not know her in any other context. Yeah. The the horrific person to that family would have been Adelaide. So they, it's almost like one of those things where you live with a secret and you don't articulate that secret, even to people who didn't, who, would not be offended by the fact that this happened to you. In other words, if you said I was held captive in a very negative place, Mm -hmm. I was able to escape that captivity, uh, and now I live with this, now I live with you guys, the family would say, wow, we're really glad you escaped that. Mm -hmm. But when you hide that, now it's like, well wait, why didn't you tell me, are you a monster? But they know she's not a monster. (laughs) She's an amazing mom, she's an amazing Wife, so it's, it's it's an interesting. I think he's playing with, he's playing with the concept of the person you didn't realize was a monster, which is a little bit of a tropey type of thing. But mm-hmm. so then you you look at it, you're like, but she's not a monster. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's an um, she's to them, mm-hmm. she's the same person she has always been, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just kind of kind of a a, a fascinating a fascinating thing.
3: Yeah, but, but I think if they found that out. Before the tethered came above ground, it would be different. Yes. Because now they know that had she not done that, this might not be happening. Like, we might not have our family. Right. We might not have, you know, these kids. I may not be your daughter or your son. But... This mass murder and yeah. these people coming after us might not have happened.
0: Right. Well, there, there would still be the question of like, well, why didn't you tell anybody about yeah, that? Right? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. You didn't want to tell people that there's people living in tunnels. I mean, yeah. that's like a, that seems like a thing you'd want to tell people. Yeah. Um, and of course, if we if we reverse that, we know she was a little girl. She was yes. just scared, and yeah. she was like, we. There's really good reasons for her not to do that. Yeah. Any. Last thoughts. Anything else you want to throw on the table before we jump into the Jason stuff? Because I know we're going to do that on the Aftercast for sure. Any, is there anything else you want to throw on the table before we close out the main part of the show? How, um,
3: oh, go ahead. You. How beautiful was that ballet scene? Oh I remember watching it for the first time and just being like, uh, you know, through my fingers because I didn't know what would happen <laughs> at any given moment. But the second time around, I kept my eyes open and I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. Right. And she's like, I found... God, I found my yep. faith in this like artistic moment, mm-hmm. in how like creativity can lead us to like, you know, yeah, getting back in touch with the creator. Mm. Oh, absolutely.
4: To me, because I I dance too, and and yeah. so that was oh, I love that. I, like people always quote, um, "Tears to fire." Mm. Um, when I run, I feel God's pleasure, mm. and I feel that when I dance, like when I when I dance, I feel that you know we are we are created to create, and yeah. so there's something so supernatural about it almost that when we're in the art form that we love and that is our passion, um, we, we are like, we find our faith again, you know, we yeah. find the thing that is outside of this world. And I love that scene because, yeah. you know, you see that she shouldn't have that. And then that, like, that's how they knew that she was different. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I just love the idea of like using an art form to take, show people that there's something more.
3: Yeah. And it's freedom. Like, both of them found some sort of, like, freedom or healing in dancing. Like,
2: so. I was just going to say, you know, I think of, you think of, like, famous quote-unquote monsters from, you know, Freddy has his glove, Mm. Jason has a machete, uh, Michael Myers has the knife. And even though they actually kill people a lot of different ways, they're known for that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciate that what Adelaide is known for, this ominous visual is also so domestic Mm. the scissors Mm. (laughs) and even that is just sort of drawing us back to this idea of family and um so yeah I really just appreciated just taking something that's not supposed to be scary Mm -hmm. even though we know it's sharp you're not supposed to run with scissors like (laughs) not running with scissors is also a joke Right. You know, right. One, right, 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 right. Like no one, no one really takes scissors seriously. Right, and <laughs> and, and, even, and, and that even that is, is like saying something.
1: <laughs>
4: that's the line we open with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody <laughs>
1: takes
0: scissors seriously. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. But it's interesting that just to think about the scissors because they can create or, or destroy. Yeah. And like we can do the same too as yeah. humans. So it, it, I'm just now making that connection of we can create or destroy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. All right, And it also has two joint pieces that are identical. That come together. But mirror, but opposite, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that was a great discussion. Uh, Is there anything you guys want to point people to? You got a Twitter account? You got a web page you want to point people at?
3: I don't have anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: I'll say just my website,
0: CalebMonroe.com. CalebMonroe.com. It's easy. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining us. That was really fun.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah.
0: That's it for today's show. Special thanks again to Caleb and Samri for joining us. Stay tuned all October for more horrific content, including next week's episode on Brightburn. Subscribe on your preferred podcast provider to make sure you don't miss the upcoming shows. And our special announcement. Make sure you subscribe to our brand new channel, The Story Geeks Talk Disney+. Plus. That's right, we're starting an entirely new channel dedicated to sci-fi, fantasy, and comic book stories that appear on Disney+. Plus. I am super stoked about this because we'll be able to let you know what we'll be podcasting about, and if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, you can watch and discuss with us. It is gonna be awesome. For more info, look for the Story Geeks Talk Disney Plus on your preferred podcast provider and subscribe. It should be available right now with a special intro episode, a special intro to the channel. So go check that out right now. We're going to go start recording our aftercast, so I hope you'll join us for that as well. We'll be digging even deeper into some of the topics brought up on today's show about Jordan Peele's Us. Get more information on our aftercast and all our other content over at thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories, and always seek the truth. Special thanks to these amazing people who help us produce the Story Geeks podcast by supporting us on Patreon. Anthony Holder, Adam Vargas, Bob Sherfield, Brianna, Bryce Cox, Connie Moe, Jim and Mary Baldwin, Joshua Beckham, Jeremy and Kimberly Lujo, Julian Armstrong, Monte Thigpen, Nathan Miller, Nick Procup, Ray DeLeon, Sean R. Reed, and new supporters Theme Park Pulse. You should go listen to that podcast, especially if you're fans of amusement parks or theme parks. And of course, Wade Johnson. To gain access to our Aftercast and unlock more Patreon rewards, or just to support the show, please head over to thestorygeeks.com for more information.